This week on episode 504 of Priority One, we trek out what Akiva Goldsman has to say about developing Star Trek Picard and Strange New Worlds. We look at a sci-fi documentary that will give you all the feels. And chairs! Because, you know, lumbar support is important in the multiverse. In gaming, Star Trek Online teases a new ship in their Infinity Lockbox. Modifius has updates on their tabletop adventures, and Scopely has patch notes for Star Trek Fleet Command. You're listening to a Roddenberry Podcast. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 504 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, April 13th, and available for download or streaming on Friday, April 16th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. Did y'all have a good week last episode recording with Tony? Yes. He was fine. It was you just know, like old times. He was okay. <laughs> oh, I see. I see. Uh, thank you to Tony for filling in for me last week. It was a great episode. It was fun to hear you guys talk about uh, First Contact Day. I regret that I wasn't able to be a part of that conversation because it was really exciting, all the stuff that was uh, announced and discussed on the virtual panels. Yeah, those was there anything that we picked up on or that we didn't pick up on more to the point that you noticed in any of the teaser trailers, like the Picard teaser trailer? Any details there that we missed? Uh, nobody mentioned the Bajoran tablet, mm-hmm. and I think that, that was picked up by Trekcore. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. Oh, we yes, had a we did. Oh, okay, okay, all right, all right. I was only half paying attention when I was assembling the show. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Here, I'll add this to the theory. I will add this, is that I think they will, in fact, bring James McAvoy into this, and that it's not really going to be Sir Patrick Stewart and John Delancey, or perhaps it will stay John Delancey because he's timeless as Q, but I would bet you it's going to be a, an X-Men first class kind of thing going on. You keep saying X-Men first class kind of thing. I don't know. That's where I, that's where I put my money. All right. Hmm. That's enough banter, I think. Hmm. Me All right, then. <laughs> we'll take that with a grain of salt and see how that plays out. We also want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope that you'll stay in touch. You see, we're a podcast produced by the community, a community of Star Trek fans. So it's important that we also hear your opinions. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favorite app and you will find us. 
or you can email us as well. Reach out at incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. As Roscoe said, this is a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers that dedicate their time and talents each and every week. From audio editors to writers to us, the hosts, we come together each week because we're passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And like any passion project, it's hard to keep things running for no cost. So if you find value in this production and want to help us continue to grow, check out our Patreon page. There you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. But we understand that financial contributions might be tough right now. Which is why, like a community theatre group, we're always looking for volunteers like ourselves to help make the show better. So if you've wanted to be part of a podcast community like ours, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. From audio or video editors to artists to even hosting. That's right, Captains. Even though Roscoe has taken over for Tony, we're still looking for an additional voice to be a part of the weekly conversation. So if you've got a lot to say about Star Trek, if you've got your finger on the pulse of the Star Trek multiverse, we encourage you to visit our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com, and click on the Join the Team link that you'll find at the top of the page. There you'll find descriptions of all the available positions, including being a host. And if you're a member of the BIPOC and or LGBTQ community, we hope that you'll seriously consider applying. It's important that we make every effort to represent as many corners of this community as possible. So remember, that site is PriorityOnePodcast.com. Now let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. Jim, what places? I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Well, it's been a little over a week since First Contact Day and the virtual event held by Paramount Plus that offered up so many tantalising teasers about the future of Star Trek. Fortunately, James Hibbert of The Hollywood Reporter had an opportunity to follow up on some of those announcements with an interview featuring writer-producer Akiva Goldsman, co-showrunner on both Star Trek Picard and Strange New Worlds. Up first... How does Strange New Worlds compare to New Trek, like Star Trek Discovery and Picard? According to Goldsman, quote, Strange New Worlds is very much adventure of the week, but with serialised character arts, end quote. But what about the visual style? Well, with respect to visual changes from what we saw on Discovery, Goldsman explained that they want, quote, Strange New Worlds to be a different show. It's not Discovery. There are a few more reachbacks to the original series and the uniforms have been adjusted slightly. The sets are slightly different, end quote. As the interview progresses, Goldsman might have accidentally let his feelings slip when discussing lessons learned after completing Season 1 of Star Trek Picard, saying, quote, Figure out the end earlier. If you're going to do a serialised show, you have the whole story before you start shooting. It's more like a movie in that way. You better know the end of your third act before you start filming your first scene, end quote. The interview goes on to discuss how Q might impact Picard, but those answers are vague, and his involvement with a Dark Tower series and a Firestarter movie. But this was an excellent interview that we encourage you all to read. So, track it out. The links will be in our show notes. You know, I found this interview to be incredibly candid, just almost brutally honest. You know, the interviewer did a, a really good job addressing criticisms from fans 
diplomatically, right? But Goldsman didn't mince words. When addressing criticism about like convoluted plots in the series, he says, quote, I think where our storytelling is complicated, if it is frustratingly so, it's just our own fault for not doing it well enough. The great thing about plot complication and character excellence is they shouldn't be mutually exclusive. Even a really complicated plot should ultimately become invisible. That's sort of the job of it, end quote. I mean, the fact that he acknowledges that season one and two of Discovery was just kind of all over the place says a lot. Either he is just not caring anymore. He's always kind of been a, a very matter of fact. I've just never heard anyone on the Star Trek team, not even Alex Kurtzman, say, you know what, yeah, we we could have done this a little differently. But here comes Akiva saying, yeah, nah, you're right, the story was, was complicated as all heck. Yeah, I think he wasn't just talking about Discovery, though. I think he was talking about Picard, too, because he even was saying how that that started as like a short trek and mm -hmm. it wasn't even supposed to be Patrick Stewart at the end or even, you know, the whole time. So I, I love I've always really appreciated like his bluntness. I think uh, Akiva Goldsman has always I've always liked what he has done. Uh, I'm just remembering back to an interview that I saw with uh, Kurtzman talking about the second season of Discovery. And they knew where they wanted to get to. They knew where they wanted to be at the end of that season. So they had their end figured out then and then just worked back episode by episode on how they were going to actually get there to send Discovery to the 32nd century. We want them out and away out of this time period and into another one. So they knew where they were going there. So that's something that they have done before. They did the same thing with season three of Discovery as well. They knew they wanted to get burn them into the captain's chair. That was the ultimate end goal. They've acknowledged that as their end point and worked backwards. So it's really interesting to hear that they didn't do that with Picard. What do you guys think? I think that they started with one idea which evolved into, oh, Pat Sir Patrick Stewart's willing to do this and do more of it is what really happened. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. I, it, you know, with, with respect to how season one played out for Star Trek Picard, I it's hard for me to wrap my mind around how unprepared they seem to have been with what the direction of the pl overall plot was supposed to be. But going back to this interview with him, I, I for the first time listening to him talk about Star Trek, I didn't feel like he was just being a cocky fan who now has the reins which is kind of a little bit of the, the feeling I was getting in previous interviews whenever he spoke about track was like, haha, I'm in control now. This is great, unlimited power. And in this interview, he's still candid. He's still matter of fact, but he also is very grounded. He seems grounded now and, and free to be able to criticize even his own work and the work of his colleagues in Star Trek. And, you know, while we're on that, it, it's also telling that he admits to being aware of what Disney's doing with Marvel. Right, mm -hmm. he talks about in the in, in the interview when addressing the concept of too much Star Trek. He references the Marvel Cinematic Universe about how you know they're they're popping things out left and right. You know, you had want in addition to the films, you now have Wandavision, you have the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and all these other shows that are in development. And he clearly is aware of what the rivals are doing, right? What the competition is doing. I like that. I like that. I like that he admitted it. I like that he knows that there's an elephant in the room that is doing it better, arguably, and that he wants to make sure that Star Trek isn't worse 
than whatever Disney produces. I like that. I liked his attitude in this interview. Well, Star Trek has been doing a universe-type idea since The Next Generation. Uh, Doctor Deep Space Nine and Doctor Bashir ran around the Enterprise in his white sneak, uh, helping Data to dream. So, you know, it's the, the crossover has been there since since that point and and since Deep Space Nine started we live in the one universe with many shows so it's nice that they're learning from other franchises that have done that and done that well and um, gives me a, a lot of hope for what Strange New Worlds will be oh I'm so excited I mean what I really loved about that interview was his whole yes it's serious you know it's an episodic um, you know harkens back to the original series that they've you know changed it up to be more authentic I man I can't wait and I guess they're filming the pilot right now as if that's current. <laughs> so maybe that's why it wasn't, you know, mentioned in First Contact Day, which is something that came up. But man, yes, I I really appreciate Akiva Goldsman and his, you know, straightforward speaking because it just answered a lot of questions where you're like, okay, I'm super excited about this now. Well, the 1980s were a powerhouse decade for science fiction films. And that's judging it on sheer volume alone. In terms of Star Trek, we went from Wrath of Khan to the final frontier over the course of the decade. In between were myriad franchises, one-off films, and galactic adventures that captured imaginations of the young and old. The team behind In Search of Tomorrow, the definitive 80s sci-fi documentary, aims to distill all of the mythos of 80s sci-fi into a four-hour film. The project began production in 2019 and then launched a crowdfunding campaign in 2020, becoming one of the most successful Kickstarter documentary campaigns of all time, until Voyager came along. The project has over 75 names included in the story, most recently adding director Ivan Reitman from Ghostbusters 1 and 2, producer Gail Ann Hurd, The Terminator, Aliens, and actor Peter Weller. Your move, creep. The news this week is the team is launching another crowdfunding campaign on Indiegogo to expand production efforts, add more interviews, and allow fans the opportunity to pre-order the film. Check out the links in the show notes to watch the new trailer. The trailer for this documentary looked excellent. The people that they've spoken to, just the the depth of and the breadth of talent that they've spoken to in regards to this documentary is absolutely amazing. I mean, Peter Weller on his own could almost carry this, but seeing people like Kurtwood Smith turn up and just it just gave me so many chills to watch hit after hit after hit of so many familiar faces talking about all these wonderful movies and just like The Last Starfighter. I love that movie so much. So much. That's the dream. You play the video game, you end up in space fighting the battles. That's the dream. So, yeah, this is, I think, I'm really excited about this. I get the feeling from reading through the notes on the crowdfunding campaign that COVID seems to have had quite an impact on them. And so that is potentially why they're asking for more funding to expand it and add more interviews and do so safely. So, yeah, be interesting to see who they could potentially add as well because you know that's that's Snyder cut length length there four hours four hours yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, that's a significant chunk of time to watch something but oh man but if they're talking about all these movies um I'm totally gonna watch that yeah it's funny I was as I was watching the documentary there were they were showing clips from these films right and I remember growing up watching a lot of these films during their 
broadcast television, like on 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 Channel Eleven, WP WPIX in New York. It was like Sunday mo- Sunday night at the movies, or I think it was actually on on CBS. Right? Didn't CBS try to bring that back recently with their in their Paramount Plus lineup? Anyway, I remember growing up with watching these films, but I was young and dumb. You know, I was just it was on TV, and so you know I was doing other things, playing with my Legos or whatever while it was on television. I I have to watch some of these again. It's just like I can't remember the last time I saw the last Starfighter. I I don't I, and I couldn't tell yeah. you the premise if I even if I wanted to. Um yeah, yeah, I got to go back and watch some of these. I think it'll be a really nice uh, trip down memory lane. I think at the end of this watching after watching this documentary once it's finally out, it'll be a very long list of all of the films mm-hmm. that you go to see. And you look at the the Star Trek films on their own, like Wrath of Khan, Search for Spock, the one with the whales, and the Final Frontier. And just those four movies alone, it, there, there's some great stuff in there. That is mm-hmm. that is just wonderful. Absolutely. I mean, the one with the whales, come on. <laughs> so good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's also, but it's what I find interesting is that these big projects at the moment, they're doing the crowdfunding. And so while COVID seems to be biting quite hard, it's interesting that they're still breaking records. People are still willing to put their hand in their pocket, which, which is wonderful. It's really good. But COVID has also made things quite hard for it. Uh, large number of people financially mm-hmm. so yeah it's great that these projects can still get the finance they need and and we can still enjoy them uh so if you can donate great but you know if you can't that's that's also totally understandable too is the style of your table setting missing a final frontier flavor are your virtual wardroom meetings missing that one essential piece of furniture to really trek it up thanks to the collective efforts of star trek fans and artists now you can finally track down that Trek chair that really ties your room together. Yes, even Worf's uncomfortable bubble chair. In an article on design website fastcompany.com, 3D artist Tadeo de Oria from Buenos Aires explains how he went from creating purpose-built 3D models of Star Trek sets for role-playing games to collating a database of props and sets across Trek movies and series. Quote, Other fans had already identified several of the chairs used through the series mostly the original 60s show, and even created replicas. However, because of my job doing essentially 3D reproductions of these chairs, having information about them was invaluable to me in order to work faster, end quote. Dioria has since worked on the TNG virtual set tour video game Stage 9, which was eventually shut down by CBS. But not wanting to let the database go to waste, he collaborated with Bern Schneider, who runs the site Ex Astra Scientia, to host the Future Furniture Suite. For the full article and links to the database, check out our show notes. You know, I'm at a point of my rewatches of Star Trek where I'm noticing <laughs> like chairs. Oh my God, <laughs> me too. Oh, yes. Pointed, pointed your life. I know, I know. That's and not what... just because I was rewatching Lower Decks where I love that scene where they're in the captain's quarters, you know. <laughs> with the substitute captain episode. Um, but you just start to pay attention to the background and what people are doing. And, you know, you see Lieutenant Jay running around. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this was a, this was a fascinating article. Looking through this database of chairs, because that, that's what it is. It has a picture of the chair, sometimes a picture of the scene it was in, and 
where you can get it. So the the chairs from Cisco's Creole Kitchen, they were sold by IKEA in the 90s. I'm not sure they sell them anymore, but I really like that some of the chairs from Shuttlecraft and Runabouts were just racing chairs for your vehicle. So if you would like to have the Runabout chair, it's called a Recaro CSE, with some modifications. Uh, It doesn't recline, uh, but... Still, you could add that to your vehicle and all of a sudden, got a little bit more of a runabout feel to it. And that's amazing. And looking at the the design of Captain Kirk's chair and the chair that was used for that as the base and then everything that was built around it, it's just really beautiful 1960s style furniture that they've sci-fied the heck out of. It's lovely. And I'm thinking, those chairs, they'd go really... I know a spot in my lounge room that would go very, very well. (laughs) Well, that brings us to our first community question this week. Where is your new Star Trek chair going, Captains? At your desk for commanding starships and taking down intergalactic baddies? Or in your living room facing your big screen TV where you can order the rest of your family around like the magnificent crew that they are? Let us know in the comments section for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com or by replying to our community question post on our social media channels like Facebook and Twitter. The search for the regular host on Jeopardy! is still going through its interviewing process, currently featuring a slew of guest hosts, including Aaron Rodgers and Ken Jennings, the most winningest player on Jeopardy! But the field of candidates may have just gotten smaller, because now there's a petition making the rounds on Twitter in support of LeVar Burton getting the job. Earlier this week, the social media hype train started rolling with a tweet from Stephen Colbert showing his support for Burton and Star Trek in general. That was then followed by Dick Van Dyke tweeting his support and sharing the link to the petition. As of the time of this recording, a little more than 231,000 people have signed the petition to have Burton be the next Jeopardy host. You know, without drawing too much attention to whatever Dr. Oz nonsense happened, why would they bring on Dr. Oz to do Jeopardy? I mean, that was just stupid. That guy was a guest host? Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. That's like the non-Dr. Phil. That's just... Yes, of course. Of course, LeVar Burton. Think of Dr. Oz as a palate cleanser. He's there in between. So you just sort of go, oh, I just need to have a little breather. And then so when the new host comes in, it doesn't matter who it is. If it's LeVar Burton, wonderful. But if it's someone else, that's okay. Because everyone will go, well, at least it's not Dr. Oz. You know what? That's that's a really (laughs) good point. probably right. (laughs) That's a really good point. Uh, And I mean, why is Aaron... Rogers, he's a football player. Why is he even hosted? What does he have to do with Jeopardy? I mean, was he on Celebrity Jeopardy once? Even still, no. Uh-uh. I don't understand the marketing campaign there, but yes, LeVar Burton makes the most sense. Well, Captains, there are a lot more headlines to cover, but unfortunately, we don't have time to review them all. So here's a quick roundup of the headlines that we didn't discuss, but we think might interest you. Links, of course, to all of these will be in the show notes. First up, The Hollywood Reporter published an article on April 9th reviewing new dates for films planned by Paramount. According to the report, an untitled Star Trek film is slated to be released on June 9th, 2023. However, no details about the film have yet to be announced, other than they have it on a calendar. CBS and the Television Academy partner to launch a Star Trek Command training program. 
What does that mean? Well, graduate and undergraduate college students nationwide can apply to be part of an eight-week paid internship, immersing you in the production process of the Star Trek universe, direct from StarTrek.com. Quote, selected interns will be actively engaged in writer's rooms, wardrobe design, on-set production, animation and post-production on Los Angeles-based programs and will earn up to $4,800, end quote. Submissions for the fall session end April 28th at 5pm. Can I apply for that? That sounds awesome. Yeah, do it. While we covered an interview with Akiva Goldsman a few minutes ago, John Delancey also caught up with Variety to talk about returning to the role of Q in Star Trek Picard. Although he couldn't divulge any specifics about his role in Picard's life, the interview does explore Delancey's life and times as Q in the Star Trek universe. Perhaps most fascinating is how focused he is as an actor. And if you missed Saturday Night Live's April 10th show, you might have missed another Star Trek parody. In this latest Trek-themed sketch, Paramount Plus is home to yet another prequel series, Star Charter Andromeda, where a set of fresh new grads are abound with entitlement. Featuring Oscar nominee Carrie Mulligan, who was this episode's featured guest, it's a workplace parody. Now remember, Captains, to learn more about these headlines, be sure to review our show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what's happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. Congratulations. High score. The Discovery Season 3 additions to Star Trek Online keep coming, with a new ship being added to the game's Infinity Lockbox. Starting April 15th, Captains will have a chance when opening an Infinity Lockbox to score a Tier 6 Jovian Intel Heavy Raider. From the blog, quote, Also referred to as a Titan Raider when it showed up in Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery, the ship was one of several led by the infamous and mysterious leader known as Wen as it harassed the United Earth Defense Forces in a tense standoff. End quote. The Raider will sport five forward weapons and one aft weapon, with five tactical, three engineering, and three science consoles. For more details like bridge officer layouts and the rest of the specs, be sure to check out the article. The ship also comes with a universal console, Harvester Mode, and an experimental weapon, the Threat Deterrent Charge Launcher. The weapon will trail enemy-seeking projectiles from your ship, which then deal electrical damage with an accuracy debuff. Again, for more details on the ship, check out our show notes. Uh, you know, I wasn't really that excited about this ship until you just read the part about the electrical damage because I must have missed that in the original when I read it the first time because, man, I love my electrical damage builds. But I, yeah, unless I win this ship by randomly opening boxes, I probably won't get it because it's an infinity lockbox, you know, ship that you rarely ever win and if i was gonna save up money i would probably not buy it on the exchange yeah i think it'll be excellent for an electrical build and i very much enjoy the spidery articulation from the three yeah but the the, i was just gonna say but the the most the animation is the coolest thing and it almost might be worth it just to get that <laughs> yeah i like the animation for the ship for sure I also like the texture. I kind of like the the that the hull, right? The the material of it. I'd like to see that on other Federation ships, perhaps. 
But I guess you can't really call it an alien ship, right? Because Zen was not an alien. When? When? When was not an alien. Yeah, no, he's just some random human guy. So this is, in theory, a, a, an Earth, a Terran ship, but deviating from the typical structure of what we are used to seeing from Earth ships. And I like that. I like that they, you know, took it took into a different direction. I feel this has highlighted to me a missed opportunity in Star Trek Discovery Season 3 for a who's on first moment, because who is the person who is leading all these raids? When? The ones just now? When? No, the ones that we've just been for? <laughs> when? No, the, the raids that have just happened that we've just been through? When? Were you there? <laughs> opportunity missed. <laughs> Now, heavy raiders, right? Are they squishy? Are they still squishy, even though they're heavy raiders? Uh, a little bit, yeah. But, you know, there's some, you know, you can make some adjustments. And electrical damage is your friend. Why? Why is that? Uh, just because a lot of uh, enemies aren't set up to really defend against it. And um, also, it's just fun to, like, come up with alternate ways of doing damage. Because you can get, if you have a lot of characters, maybe like some of us, you know, you get bored with just beams and torpedoes. And, like, you come up with ways to come up with different types of doing damage in different ways. And, yeah, it's just a way to be more creative with your builds. One thing I discovered this week uh, when finally finishing off my first contact day rewards is that the Borg don't adapt to fire damage. So the Martian mining laser, uh, which deals fire damage, is excellent for taking on the Borg. Yeah, I, I mean, I like my Molor sword when I fight the Borg. They can't adapt to some of that damage, but not. I'm like, well, you can, like, throw it over there and, like, reel them in like a fishing line. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, and that works on swarmers in the Dyson Sphere, I learned recently, which is the most amazing thing ever. I hate those things. That's great. I know, but you can take your sword and you can grab them out of the sky and <laughs> annihilate them in a second. It's amazing. Uh, yeah, so flaming sword for the win <laughs> there if you're on the ground. So the other console that is on this ship, the harvester mode, takes your tractor beam, and this is where we get the spider-like articulation on the ship, and sends a tractor beam to a few surrounding ships and steals resources and gives them a debuff and buffs your ship. So that will be interesting. Gives you various boosts, which are... Uh, hinted at in the blog post but more details will uh, will come out I'm I'm sure as to how it actually buffs your ship but that that's interesting if you wanted to set up like a pirate build yeah oh my god get out of my head I was just about to go there I was like you know this actually could come up this is actually a really unique way to you know have this this console I'm actually a little more interested in this ship now that I've thought about this a little bit more. Hmm, lots to think Maybe about. Maybe I'll win it. I don't know. Fingers crossed. That'd be really cool. I wonder how much it's going to go for on the exchange. Probably a lot. Well, that's all the news from Star Trek Online. Why don't we trek out what's going on in other Star Trek games? Star Trek Fleet Command recently released its latest major update, Patch 29, which dropped a new story arc with 15 new missions. Plus, you can upgrade your fleet with a second research queue and get the all-new Franklin A ship and choose from some other ship refits. And this patch also introduces Jayla as a new epic officer. There were some significant game improvements and bug fixes implemented as well in this patch. Improvements include letting the change resource 
token conversion sliders max out at the amount needed for the current building, updates to UTC time on the player profile, providing smooth camera transitions when selecting different items in the refit management window instead of a hard cut, and viewing ship cosmetics in AR. Bug fixes include various localization issues that were fixed, fixed an issue with a visual glitch when relocating in New Calgary, and all kinds of other bug fixes. There's a huge list of bug fixes, so this update is fairly sizable. And if you're playing Star Trek Fleet Command, hopefully you'll enjoy this big patch. Adding to the first Contact Day celebrations, Modifius Entertainment published a Project Manager video update, highlighting the current state of the Star Trek tabletop adventure, plus upcoming expansions and items that will be available later this year. For starters, the Shackleton Expanse campaign is slated to release this summer, with compatibility to play either as a Klingon or Federation character. They're also planning to release a TOS tricorder set sometime during the third quarter of 2021. Included in this tricorder shaped package that can be used for cosplay is a pocket-sized rulebook, a three-part campaign book, custom dice, and character sheets. Jim Johnson, the project manager, goes on to answer some community questions. So if you're a fan of these tabletop adventures and want to learn more, be sure to watch the entire video. Links, of course, will be in our show notes. They had me at tricorder-shaped package, and then I thought, <laughs> I don't have any of these types of tabletop game things, but this, this has piqued my interest. Custom dice, you say? Hmm. Yeah, it's... You see, the, the thing about this little tricorder set is... I'm I there this was smart, right? Because once we start getting back into going to conventions and whatnot, you know, bringing around the rule book and your dice and all that jazz, like the rule books are heavy. Like they're thick and heavy, they're hardcover and you know, unless you have the PDF version on your tablet or whatnot. But my understanding from the video is that by design, this little TOS tricorder set is designed for on-the-go adventures, tabletop adventures. So, sure, you're cosplaying a TOS-era character, and you're wearing the tricorder, the TOS-era tricorder, boom! You can open it up and have an impromptu tabletop adventure uh, with your friends right at, the, right at the convention. So that's really cool. Man, yeah, I, was, I watched some of this video, and I wondered why they didn't just, you know, release like a statement or whatever, but showing the images and showing all the really cool rule books that you get, the Klingon version that you could get. Oh, man, and the artwork is just gorgeous. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't played played that many RPGs, but just the packaging of this stuff is is definitely really, really cool. Well, that leads us to our next community question this week. Are you a Star Trek Adventures player? And if so, what new product excites you the most from this announcement? And if you're not a tabletop adventurer, do any of these announcements pique your interest for the game? That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, our first community question was, with all the new Star Trek updates, what was the biggest surprise for you? Was there anything you were hoping they were going to announce? On Twitter, Ken from Chicago writes, The Return of Grudge the Cat. 
From Facebook, Marcus Albers says, I was hoping we would either get a Strange New Worlds teaser, even though they've only been in production for a very short time, or an announcement of a new season of Short Treks. From Facebook, Matt Black replied, I am delighted over the upcoming shows, but hoped for more word about the Section 31 show. You have Michelle Yeoh and a chance to test Federation morality. So what's the holdup? From Facebook, friend of the show, Jamal Taylor, responds, Looking forward to Lower Decks Season 2. Also very interesting seeing the teaser material for Prodigy. I'm a bit disappointed with the Discovery Season 4 trailer, as I'd hoped they would just do some regular stories instead of yet again racing to save the galaxy against impossible odds. At least the uniform colors are right now. Our second community question was, would a Tier 6 Oberth be a great starship in the game? Or the greatest starship in the game? What would be a fitting trait for such a fine ship? From Facebook, Dave Wolf wrote, Starship trait in honor of the captain of the ill-fated USS Grissom, J.T. Esteban. Stand by for everything. When slotted, this trait delays every command you give in order to contact Starfleet Command for every situation you run into. Weapons, movement, boff abilities, warping out of the system are all delayed until Starfleet Command responds. Can, can somebody remind me? Can somebody remind me what this is? What this is referencing? This is Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. Uh, USS Grissom is the one that investigated the um, the Genesis planet. <laughs> oh yeah. JT Esteban commanding was going through and uh, was reluctant to give orders because he was constantly like, "Get in touch with Starfleet Command. Get in, go, do it. <laughs> I don't know what we're going right. to do. What's changed here? Well, we've got a Klingon bird of prey. They're locking weapons. Get in touch with Starfleet Command, and we'll. What should we do next? <laughs> like, dude, read the wiki. Oh, Come the on, children. <laughs> From Facebook, Rick McFeeters had a serious answer. Lucky shot. Chance for next energy weapons fire to shield, pen, and crit. And we got a ton of great feedback this week, Captains, but unfortunately, we won't have an opportunity to get through them all. But please keep them coming. We love to have the conversation continue on our social media channels like Facebook or Twitter. We do read them all, like those from Andrew Holmes and Hugh Smith and and Joye Arthuria, thank you so very much. Matt Black, you're all great. Thank you so very much for contributing to our community question this week. But that wraps up episode 504 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. We can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. And here's a reminder of our community question for this week. If you were to buy one of these fancy Star Trek chairs, where are they going? At your desk for commanding starships? Or in your living room, facing your big screen TV where you can order the rest of your family around like the magnificent crew that they are. And in gaming, are you a Star Trek Adventures player? If so, what new product excites you most from their latest First Contact Day video? Now, if you're not a tabletop adventurer, 
Do any of these announcements pique your interest, like that fancy tricorder? Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. During these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons who find value in the content we produce each and every week. Check us out at patreon.com forward slash priority one. Don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency Podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks, and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to HeroesRidesPodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Lennon, and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Ready weapons. Engage. Check out. Oh, what a noob. Every It's all Trek out. We don't check anything out here. We Trek everything out. Noob. <gasps> How dare you not be inclusive <laughs> to new people in the community? It's that kind of gatekeeper attitude that I did not <laughs> expect from you, sir. And I will thank you to leave that at the door. My, oh, I'm sorry. I'm, my, my apologies. Yeah. Don't Stick to the me, script me, is what I'm saying, don't man. Don't tell me how Come to on. run my show. Don't tell me how to run this show. <laughs> it's helpful advice. It's helpful I, advice on you know, the fly. Just because, just because you, you have- Call an air check, a... sir. Just Call because... an air check. <laughs> and you're, you're, you are due, okay? 
I, maybe, that- maybe, maybe something happened from from New Jersey to Australia that you didn't. He- the words dropped. That might have been what happened. Sure, <laughs> That's what it was. Yeah, New Jersey. New Jersey's the problem. <laughs> yeah, I would have said. I love the chat right now. Everybody's like popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.rottenberry.com.